2: At Best
1: Western, we can't promise you the perfect weekend hiking trip or the perfect sunset. We cannot promise you'll make a new friend on the trail. It's certainly possible. We just can't guarantee it. And you probably shouldn't force it. But we can promise you this. With over 4,200 hotels worldwide, you can find a warm welcome and a comfortable room right on the way to where you're going. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western.
2: See this? This is
0: my BOOMSTICK!
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Unequal Sequel, Season 2 now. My name is Dave Curtis, and I'm one of the two hosts of this fantastic podcast.
2: <laughs> and I'm Rich, and I'm the other host of this fantastic podcast. Think of me as Silent Bob to Dave's J. He talks all the time, and I'm a tubby little stoner. That's true. Again, these are great. The premise of Unequal (laughs) Sequel is very simple. We
1: ask our guests for their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel.
2: And, of course, we often drift off and just have a general chat about movies and life in general.
1: I should also point out we do delve into spoiler territory, so be warned. We do, you know, spoil some very old movies. So, if you haven't seen the movies that we mention and you don't
2: want them to be spoiled, move on. Most of the movies we spoil are like 40 years old though, mate. So, you know... If you've not seen him by now. Especially on this one, these are old ones.
1: On today's episode, we are very
2: proud and so excited to be yes. joined by Nick Fucking Helm. I'm so excited. Nick is a comedian, an actor, a writer, a podcaster, and just a general all round superhero. Honestly, if I sound a little starstruck in this in this recording, it's because I am. <laughs> because mm. I love Nick Helm. I think he's amazing. It does come across.
1: We're very excited to sit down with Nick and chat all things
2: sequels with him. These are Nick Helm's Unequal Sequels. Enjoy. So you'll have spoken to Dave already, Nick, um, because Dave does all the work and I just turn up and and talk about movies I've never seen before. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But it's I think that's equal, right?
2: <laughs> I believe so. I'm taking that.
0: Because <laughs> so so Dave gears everything up so that you're primed, so that when you are unleashed, you do an hour of solid Entertainment, solid, <laughs> solid sort of broadcasting. Sort of, uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, entertainment might be pushing it. <laughs> and then
0: you go back in your box, and then
2: he's ready for the next one.
0: Yeah, yeah. and then and then and then Dave gets it all primed for the next one. That's-
1: Rich is the brains. I'm. I got bit of the <laughs> knowledge. But- Okay,
0: you We're two are going to have to start taking uh, <laughs> the blame for this podcast that you're doing.
1: <laughs> it's going all right so far.
0: We can't keep sort of like pointing at each other and saying it's their fault. We're right? <laughs> in it sure. together.
1: Do you remember the first sequel you got excited about?
0: The first sequel I got excited about, ah. Oh, oh, well, do you know what? I think probably, I can't remember what order it would have been in, but. Like 1989 was a huge year for franchises and sequels. So you had Star Trek Five, uh, Lethal Weapon Two, Batman came out, Ghostbusters Ooh. Two, Back to the Future Two, and so it, like there was just like this endless list of of sequels, and it was like everything was like fighting to survive. And I think Ghostbusters Two did all, it's I think it's set at, it's set at New Year, but I think it came out in the summer. Right. And uh, Ghostbusters Two I think came out maybe a week before batman everything everything basically cleared cleared the way for batman and then batman came out and you know trounced everything but i remember i remember going to see ghostbusters 2 at the cinema it was the first i'd been 8 or 9 i think i'd probably be 8 and i was a big fan of the original ghostbusters and the cartoon the real ghostbusters and then when the seek, but I preferred the movies. Although I found the first one very scary, I remember that Ghostbusters Two was the first film that I didn't need to go for a wee during.
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> I think I saw it twice, and I think the first time I saw it, I did need a wee, and I came back during Vigo the Carpathians head floating uh, above a river of slime. Uh, while he was doing that speech. And I, and I, so I missed that chunk and I went to see it again and I didn't go for a piss the whole film. Um, and I remember Back to the Future 2, which would have been the same year, remember when that came out, I remember being so stunned and shocked by that film. Like how incredible. I was too young for the first film when that came out. I remember when the first one came out, my sister got taken to see Back to the Future and I got taken to see The Dark Cauldron. All right. Uh, which yeah. was which was like a really dark uh, fantasy um, mm. Disney movie. They were trying yeah. something different. And, it, and I remember sort of like, going, oh, yeah, it was all right. But my sister had like this like magazine with back to the future and there was like cut out board game off the back of like shreddies for back to the future and my sister sort of like was big into back to the future but i was old enough for the sequel and i just remember the sequel just blew my mind it was like so much happened in it and the special effects were so incredible and the film was just amazing and i just remember i came out of that film in a, in sort of like this shocked stunned silence and although i found the film very like well what was it It was just like energizing it was this i found like afterwards i slumped into like this little depression which was i'm just like this nine-year-old fat kid from st albans yeah and i want to be i don't want to be martin mcfly i want to be michael j fox you know what i mean and I, i wanted i i you know i was like that was that was the dream job. Do you know what I mean? So I guess that's one of the reasons that I ended up kind of like trying to do some acting and try to make <laughs> films and stuff, was the fact that Back to the Future 2 was huge. It's weird, because I look back on it now, I don't love that film very much. I think Back to the Future is one of those films where you can kind of take or leave the sequels. The original is so perfect. I don't need anything else. And I think Back to the Future 2 is all right. I prefer Back to the Future 3, if anything, but like, I I don't need either of them. But in terms of looking forward to a film, I guess it'd be like Ghostbusters 2 or Back to the Future 2.
1: Did you get the t shirts and stuff?
0: No, maybe maybe with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was a little bit more marketable and it was already a cartoon series. Yeah, yeah. But it was a weird time because I think it was it was difficult to you maybe you'd see a poster for an upcoming film. Or the Odeon used to have like Flix magazine, which was like a free magazine. Yeah, I
2: remember that.
0: And you'd see like upcoming films in that, but but it wasn't like now where well i mean it's probably not even i don't even mean now i mean probably 10 years ago when you'd have like all the new trailers would come out and then and even going back to sort of like dial-up you'd have to sort of download a trailer which yeah. would take a few hours and then you'd watch like a two and a half minute trailer and you'd go fucking hell that looks incredible and you'd re-watch it and re-watch it and now there's so much content that is being just fucking ejaculated into our eyes <laughs> <laughs> on a minute by minute basis that it, i think it's difficult to get excited about anything really anymore
2: yeah it's I kind of that. like it,
0: it's almost like it's gone back to i've got an Odeon over the road and it's i'll walk past it and i'll go what's on and it'll be like oh candy man do you want to go and see Candyman? and so it's not like i think at the moment, it's almost like more like it was back then because you kind of like just look and see what's on and then you go to the cinema, if you go to the cinema. But maybe 10 years ago, it would be there are these kind of landmark films that you're there looking forward to. So back in 1989, no. No. There wasn't like a specific sequel I was looking forward to, but there were specific sequels that I loved, yeah.
1: Just to remind you, all the things, I remember trying to download the Phantom Menace trailer back in 1999 and 98 it was, and waiting hours for it and just replaying that, that over and over again in my, on the computer. But
0: I mean, I remember, I remember I was too young for Return of the Jedi and I was, I was probably too young for Star Wars, really. So I remember my sister coming back from Return of the Jedi with the sticker album. And then me sort of being obsessed with the toys and the Ewoks and all that stuff. And then I remember I went to see Cool Runnings specifically because I worked out in my head. Do you remember there used to be a show called Movies, Games and Videos? I think so, yeah. It was, it yeah. was, called, it was called Movies, Movies, Movies. And then it became more about movies, games and videos. And so it became something else.
2: I don't think I'd ever I'd thought about that for about 30 years like that's just come just pop back into my head now you mentioned it
0: it was on about like saturday at one o'clock and i remember i used to watch that and then i used to say to my dad let's go to the cinema and then on saturday afternoon about three o'clock we'd go to like the shopping center and we'd go to whatever film it was i remember i specifically went to see cool runnings because i'd set in my head that because it was a comedy um it might have a trailer for Naked Gun 33 and a third on it (laughs) (laughs) and it did and I went specific but I specifically went to see Cool Runnings because I wanted to see a trailer for Naked Gun 3 and I watched it and it was like it was a, a teaser trailer where there's a woman walking through a meadow and then she walks along a cliff And she's, it's like this romantic music's playing and then Frank Drebin opens the door and it hits her in the face and then she dies. And it's not in the film, but she falls off the cliff and she plummets to her death. And I just remember, that's all you get. And it says Naked Gun 33 and a third. And I was like, oh my God. And then we watched Cool Runnings. It was like, oh yeah, it's good. That's good too. (laughs) But that's not why we went, you know.
2: It was uh, just for the trailer.
0: Just, it was just for the trailer, but that's what you Brilliant. had to do in nineteen ninety four or five.
2: Or yeah, or so. I agree. Yeah, so we must we must be about quite similar age then, Nick. So I think I was eight or nine in in eighty nine as well. So we're forty. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm 40. Scary, isn't it? <laughs>
0: no one gives a fuck about you. <laughs> uh, no one gives a fuck about you, Dave. We're 40. Um so Yeah, 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 yeah fuck off. We're in the 40s. See, the thing is, right, if we make it cool, <laughs> yeah. then yeah. Dave will be wishing his life away, is it?
1: Yeah, I want those four years to absolutely <laughs> zip past.
0: And I think there's, there's no doubt in anyone's mind how cool we've made 40
2: yeah <laughs> big, time, big uh, time just
0: just by this chat we've had so far everyone's yes. envious of the life we've <laughs> Fucking hell Wouldn't it be cool Like that guy Going to see Cool Runnings in 1994 See the Naked Gun 3 Teaser trailer Oh yeah What a cool Bunch of 40 year old
1: dudes yeah, we 40 What of it it was, it was a different life Back then <laughs> it, it was
0: I'm glad I'm glad if, if it wasn't this old I wouldn't be old enough To know how shit Today is Do you yeah. know what I mean We had it We had it well good In the end <laughs> We had it well good in the, oh. oh We're all dying
1: So you're talking Like that 1989 Like I think of 90 90- Ninety nine. that has been probably my one of my favorite years of
0: yeah all right film. dave
2: wrap it in that you're younger yeah, 1999
0: on. <laughs> 1999 is is sort of like it's up there with 89 for like so is it 82 is a really good year where of khan and poltergeist came out and <laughs> uh and then one of the indiana joneses came out maybe like 82 was a good year, 89 was a good year, 99 was an absolutely incredible year. Uh, That was my first year. I was just leaving for university. So the first half of the year, you had stuff like like me and my school friends as we were leaving school, we went to see the Phantom Menace. We went to see the Matrix. Yeah, you know these were the films yeah. that we were seeing before we went away. And then when I started university, we were seeing films like Blair Witch Project, Fight Club, The Sixth Sense, American Beauty. You know, yeah. uh, like 1999. If you just go through 1999 election, like Rushmore, every film that came out in 1999 was basically it was a, it was a either a classic or it was made by ice wide shot like it was made by like this all-time you know Stanley Kubrick was making films can't remember if Spielberg had a film out that year but it's like all of like these big hitters were bringing out these films in 1999 it was just like this incredible year for films and I remember it so well because we had like a little independent cinema in Winchester I've just come off another podcast so I'm not like warming up I'm like <laughs> I've hit
2: the ground running right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no, this is your podcast as far as we right, said. you just talk I'm like I
0: wind up toy and you just point me in the right direction I'll do it. <laughs> and um but like yeah, 1999. It was like we had this little independent cinema called the Screen in Winchester, and you could just go and see everything in there. And you know, I have such like, a fond memory, not just of kind of like the individual films, but the mm. clump of films that were out around the same time, and also the venue, like the cinema that I went to see them in. Mm. So it's all very sort of like you know, I've never been into football, and I think like films and the whole everything that sort of Floats around films is kind of what I'm really passionate, what I love, and films is my football, you know. So
2: yeah, yeah. That's I feel like that too. So I I didn't go to university. I just I sort of bummed around. I didn't go to university until I should say I did go. I just didn't go to like 2003. So I didn't go in like that in 99. I just bummed around going to the cinema all the time and doing a crap job. And what was uh, your crap yeah, job? I worked in Wix in the in a DIY shop, just like in, yeah. Selling people bricks and stuff, and <laughs> tidying up. What do bricks
0: make? What do bricks make?
2: Well, I mean, it's how you use them for, really. They make houses. <laughs> they make houses rich. Yeah, this is true. How this shit is, true. is that job sounding now? Like? <laughs> I mean, it was pretty shit,
0: <laughs>
2: but I had a lot of fun. Well, I,
0: houses, houses, house families.
2: Yeah, they build yeah. memories
0: and love <laughs> and memories. And where? What do you leave when you go to the cinema? A house. Yeah. Uh, so, I think you're being really hard on yourself about that Wix job, right?
2: I mean, to be honest, I mostly just went to McDonald's and got all the sauces, then lined them up in the warehouse and ran them over with a forklift truck to see which would go the furthest.
0: Fine, if you want to be kind about it. Your life can sound as shit as you want to make it, mate, all right? I was trying, I was trying to help you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I thought it sounded great. It's, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think I think that you've contributed to a lot of people's happy memories.
2: <laughs> so do I. Thank you for that.
0: <laughs> uh, get him on, you'll talk about sequels, but it'll change your life. <laughs> Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about crunch chocolate bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy rocky ridges now drum roll please
2: wow that's good crunchy munchy chocolate doesn't whisper
1: turn up the fun with crunch another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help your best sequel ever what is it
0: it's not this but i i took a look at the stuff that other people have said yeah and uh but what but i tell you what this isn't it's not the best sequel ever right mm. but what i will say is it is a much maligned movie and i watched it last week the week before and i thought it was incredible and i i'd seen it before
1: should we we say what it is
0: well okay so it's texas chainsaw massacre 2 now right so my relationship with texas chainsaw massacre is that i think it's probably the best horror film ever made i think it's definitely the scariest and um i'd known of it for many years uh when i was child i was very timid and scared of horror movies i grew up in london in the 80s, and all of the tube stations had Nightmare on Elm Street posters on them. So it wasn't uh, like you'd even go into a video shop. It was like Freddy Krueger was on the walls, uh, you know, as you were being taken to school or to the museum or whatever it was. <laughs> Freddy Krueger was all over the place because there was like a film that came out almost every year. And I found it absolutely terrifying. So I was a very squeamish child. And I got into horror through uh, the Evil Dead franchise. And then uh, that was sort of like my gateway into sort of like horror movies and uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre was banned in England and they had uh I can't remember what year it was it was either 97 or 98 and they had uh there was one cinema in Covent Garden called the ABC Cinema on Shaftesbury Avenue which is now an Odeon but it's still there and they had a license to play Texas Chainsaw Massacre for like a limited period and so I went with my mate who was in the year above we went to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it was one of those films where because it was banned, there was sort of like this aura around it, mm. and we were scared before we even went in, you know. And so I was underage, so I must have been like 16 or 17, and um, and when the lights go down, and it was in it was an ABC cinema just before it got converted to an Odeon, so it was a bit of a flea pit. The carpet was all um, 70s, sort of like brown and orange and sticky, and it was sort of like a really sort of like fairly run down cinema, and. Like medium sized screen and then the lights go down and we're sat there and then the the, the opening crawl comes up and it's got this voice over which sort of like just goes straight through you and there's uh, the sound effect of like the flash bulbs going off and um, I remember my friend turned around to me and um, he said let's go <laughs> 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 and, then, and then we got through it but it felt like we'd survived it you know Yeah, Yeah. at the end, I was like, I was ready to leave at any point. And he said, yeah, me too. It's like, we could have left, but we stuck it through. And I just think it's one of those films where by the end of it, it's, and I wrote my dissertation about these films because it was sort of like, it came out in the early 70s and it was a crossover where the Vietnam War was going on and there was all this news footage coming back of troops being, of dead bodies on the news, of people with like, their guts spilling out on stretchers. And it was sort of like, and all of the people that were making horror films realised there was nothing that they could really do that was worse than what people were seeing every night on the news. And so it it sort of bred this new wave of horror movie directors like Wes Craven and Toby Hooper and John Carpenter, who sort of like uh, made sort of like these fairly gritty, grimy horror movies. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre just has like this ambience to it and this texture to it and it feels dirty and sweaty and Mm. the movie feels hot you know you're Mm. watching it and it's in texas in the summer and it feels hot and when you see all of like the rotting animal carcasses you feel like you can smell them you know Mm. it feels like it's like documentary real and it's just this really sort of incredible film that i haven't seen too many times I think that that was probably the best scenario of watching a film was that film. Uh, it, it was that cinema on that day at that time when it was still banned, and then it was sort of like on DVD a couple of years later. But when I went to university a couple of years after that, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was still banned, and I'd never seen it. And there was a guy that used to have like a laser disc player, and he would he would pirate on VHS tapes all of his laser discs, and you'd have to meet him in the student union on a Saturday <laughs> lunchtime when it was empty yeah. and you'd go in and you'd like give him some money, 20 quid or whatever. And he'd give you like a brown paper bag with a VHS in it. and you'd go home. And, and so I watched sort of like Texas Chainsaw Mass 2, Cannibal Holocaust, uh um, UK version of uh, Army of Darkness. But so when I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 for the first time, it was so grainy and fucking fucked up and fuzzy and you couldn't really see what was, you know, you couldn't make it out. But it made it better because when you watched it, you were just like, this film is banned and we've got Mm. a copy of it and we're watching it. It couldn't really work out. Uh, I haven't watched it loads. And then I watched it again recently. One of the things that's happened in between is that I've been much more aware. I've seen all of the sequels. They're all awful. Yeah for different reasons for different yeah none of them are as good as the original and it's got one of the most confusing timelines that any franchise has ever had whether you've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre which is a standalone film
2: mm. Texas
0: Chainsaw Massacre 2 which we'll get into is a completely different genre yeah Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 Leatherface is not a sequel to either of the two previous films really and it's sort of like a standalone hero version of what Leatherface could be Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre 4 starring Matthew McConaughey and Rennie Zellweger was called Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation or something else Return to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre which is essentially it's a reboot remake and then it went into you've got if, if you know about this correct me but then you've got like the Michael Bay Platinum Dunes Texas Chainsaw Massacre Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Beginning yeah and then you've got Texas Chainsaw then you've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D 3D then you've got another one, which is a prequel. Like, and now I'm lost. And I haven't seen all of the ones that they've made since Platinum Tunes. But and they're all kind of like going, no, no, no. Forget everything you've seen before. This is the real Texas. And it's shit again. And you're like, but like this one that's sort of like got cell phones and they're all, like, texting and stuff. But it's meant to be set the day after the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1973. So they haven't even done any kind of, like... So it's so it's just this mess. So so there's people that say that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is shit. And you go, if you just take Texas Chainsaw Massacre alone, as it is, as a standalone movie, and you take for granted that all of the sequels are, are, are awful and they get worse... And then you look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre and see it in its own light. One of the things that I noticed in between the first time I watched it and the most recent time I've seen it was that the poster that came out was Piss Take of The Breakfast Club.
2: Yeah, yeah I noticed that today too. <laughs>
0: so you've got like the whole of like the Sawyer family who are cannibals from the first film and they're all posing the, the cast of The Breakfast Club on the front cover. And, and so even the marketing is sort of like tongue in cheek. Mm. And so when I watched it the other week, what I noticed about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was, you know, where where's you get Evil Dead, which was a straight horror movie, and then you got Evil Dead 2, which took it in a comedic, sort of more action-packed direction. That gets praised as kind of like, well, they took the original and they completely changed it. They switched genres and they made it into sort of a, a horror comedy. Mm. So the first one's a horror, second one's sort of a remake and a horror comedy. and that's one of the reasons why people love it and the reasons why people hate Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is they took the original and they made it into sort of like an action comedy and that's one of the reasons why people hate it and I think that if people stopped looking at it as if it was you know a legitimate sequel to the original and they looked at it like they look at Evil Dead 2 and just say he didn't want to repeat himself toby hooper yeah i think it was part of his contract he had like a three-picture deal with orion and he'd made life force and he'd made something else uh it was the uh, invaders of mars and i think they said You've got to do a part of that is you've got to do a secret text change in Massacre. And he was like, I don't want to. So what I'll do is I'll do like this slapstick comedy type thing. <laughs> and if you look at it as a, it's fucking brilliant. The scenes in it there are, and I don't even think Evil Dead 2 does this. There is or even American Werewolf in London. Or maybe the only thing that does do it is american werewolf london but there are scenes in texas chainsaw massacre 2 that are simultaneously hilarious and terrifying
2: mm, yeah
0: and for any film to be able to pull that off i guess it's not my favorite sequel. that would probably be empire straits back right which i think is better than the original right yeah but someone will have will say that or someone else would have said that and i'm using this as my opportunity to uh, throw a bit of love towards Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because I think it needs to be re-evaluated.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad you did that because I'd never <clears throat> seen this film before and I think I'm now a richer person for having watched it this morning. <laughs> so,
0: I sent you my list really late and I apologise for that.
2: <laughs> I know that's alright. It just so, meant that I, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 at like, at, like 9 o'clock in the morning, yep. which is a weird experience i think <laughs> my neighbours listening to lots of screaming coming out of my house. <laughs>
0: so, while and it's fresh in your mind. Um, what did you What did you make of it? What did you think?
2: So I, I have a thing where if you're going to make a sequel, you've got to make a sequel different or say something else. Mm-hmm. And I can really appreciate that it's it is very different to the original one. It's very it, you know they did make that horror comedy. Horror is not particularly my genre. I don't think. I think a bit a bit like maybe a bit like you. Maybe when you were a kid, I was a bit of a wussy kid as well, and I didn't like horror mm-hmm. stuff either. And I probably carried that on. Into later life, <laughs> but um, but actually, I, I found it quite watchable. I think the scripts must have just been like 90 pages of someone going, ah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah.
2: But it was nice to get a bit of kind of a bit of backstory into the family and you know, winning chilli competitions by grinding up people. Yeah, there's, Love back, that.
0: There's, backstory to, there's backstory to the family, and I and I like all that, and I and I think that turning the family from like There is dark comedy in the original, but what they've done is they've gone, ah, right. We'll hook onto that and we'll make that
2: Mm. no
0: pun intended, but we'll hook onto that. We'll make that thing that like the engine behind this film, which is, we'll put loads of sort of like jokes. in. I think stretch is the main female uh, Mm. uh, protagonist. I think she's great. She does in the second half later on scream a lot, but I think they do so much character work with her in the first half. Yeah. Yeah she doesn't just sort of like blend in to become another female final girl that's running around screaming, but she, you're kind of with her on that. Yeah. The stuff they put her through is almost like a Bruce Campbell kind of level of torture that, that, you know, they cut off her friend's face and make her wear it. Yeah. yeah. There's that bit when she falls through um, the hole in the ground outside the fun fair and she just keeps falling and falling and falling. (laughs) And Dennis Hopper gets like this, um, this decomposed arm for, her to hold on to, to stop her from falling through. Oh, dead opposite in it, by the way. Um, yeah. He uh, grabs hold of the arm, and then the arm breaks in half, and then she fought. Fall- so there's like, there's like all this slapstick horror stuff that's happening to her. And it was made, if not before, at the same time as Evil Dead Two. So it wasn't like he saw what they were doing and then he did it himself. No. It was sort of like it was. It, this was always what he was going yeah. to do. And, and like you said, by repeating sequels, if you look at something like Die Hard Two. I love Die Hard 2, but I never choose to watch Die Hard 2 because I've got Die Hard. Yeah. Well, I'll either watch Die Hard 1 or I'll watch Die Hard 3 or I'll watch yeah. Die Hard 2 if it's on TV.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a good I, life lesson. But,
0: but Die Hard 2 is just a, a repeat of the first one. And when you look at sequels, it's just kind of like, I think having something either totally different to it or, or taking those characters and doing something different with them. I think is kind of the way forward. And I mean, the same with Back to the Future 2, I think, but Back to the Future 2 is so, it's kind of like, I think there's a weird feeling coming out of Back to the Future 2 where you kind of like, can't really work out what it is. And then years later you go, I think it was a real shame that they couldn't have worked things out with Crispin Glover. Because he's yeah, such yeah. a main part of the original, and then it's kind of like you're being gaslit a bit with the second one, like going, oh, he wasn't <laughs> yeah. like he wasn't that important. It was all about my Martin McFly, Doc, and his mum, and you're kind of like, yeah, but well, his, what happened to his? So they kill his dad off, and it's kind of like, right, okay, but the whole film seems like it's like they're solving the problem of not having to work with Crispin Glover when in actual fact, I wonder what that sequel would have been like. It could have, maybe that could have been my dream
2: sequel. Yeah.
0: But yeah, Texas Chainsaw Mascot. So the scene that I mean is the is the scene where she's in the, she's in the, she's in the radio. Uh, the radio
2: station, yeah.
0: The radio station and there's all the records and Chop Top is, uh, you don't know who he is. He's wearing a Sonny Bono wig and he's got the glasses and he's dressed up as a hippie. And he's meant to be the brother of the guy, the hitchhiker in the first film, but he was away at the Vietnam war during the first film. And uh, he got a metal plate put in his head. Yeah. So when he's there, he's sort of like crazy and you've got stretch and she's in the thing and her mate has left. And so she's on her own in the radio station. And then she comes out and here is this weirdo that's in the radio station. He wants a tour. And so she gives him this super fast tour of the radio station. And every time she like picks up, like, this is a snow globe. And he's going, yeah, snow globe. Snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going through all of the stuff. And it's terrifying. I, I find it terrifying but it's also just
1: really funny as well he's even making jokes when he's bashing the guy's brains in with a hammer <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> I yeah. find Chop Top the most terrifying actually not just because of what he is but because of how he got made like that I think about like that kind of that horrific injury that happened to him in Narm must have blown half his head off yeah and and, the, and the, how that's twisted him up to then you know so the, the, the hitchhiker's his brother but and that's the corpse that he's carrying around with, with him and making got- tools isn't it wow
0: and um who who makes it onto the poster the breakfast club <laughs> yeah. but the fact that he's got a coat hanger and he's heating it up with um a lighter yeah. and he's uh, and you don't know what he's doing with it but he keeps scratching his head and then when the wig comes off it's kind of like uh you realize that he's using the coat hanger to scratch off bits of kind of yeah bits like of flesh. dead skin <laughs> that's like grown around his his uh plate yeah. in his head and he's eating it And it's just absolutely great. The thing that I find really weird about the the franchise is that, and it happens with franchises. It happened with Nightmare on Elm Street where they went, oh, Freddy Krueger does uh, one-liners. So we'll make it all about Freddy Krueger's one-liners. And then he's not scary anymore. In fact, he's a hero. And what they did with Texas Chainsaw Massacre was, what was great about it was it was about a family. And what sort of ruined it was that they just obsessed with Leatherface as a character. Mm-hmm. And he's great as like, well, in the first one, he's sort of like the matriarch or he's the, he's kind of like, he's the brother, but they haven't got a woman in the family. And so he dresses up as a woman and he's sort of like uh, serving them food. And they're all sort of like a group of like unruly kids. And he's like this abused child who's got this, uh, you know, elements of cross-dress because it's based on the Ed Gain story, like Psycho was. And and so you've got kind of like... He's not like this... The way that he's depicted later on is that he's kind of like, you know, like a professional wrestler with a mask and a chainsaw. Yeah, where In actual right. fact, in that first film, he's got like... He's wearing a mask with lipstick all over it. He's wearing mm-hmm. kind of like a dress or an apron. And um, he's... Uh, like it's kind of like a pastiche of like the American family where he's being shouted at and he's waving his hands and he's sort of like screaming in like a high pitched voice. And so in the sequel, it's interesting that Leatherface hasn't come up in our chat yet because there's so many other elements to the film that are interesting that aren't Leatherface. Mm. Mm, yeah. He's great as an element. And then when the sequels all became about Leatherface, it's just sort of like, well, there's more to it than that.
2: Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not even the most evil bit of the film, of the family, really, is he? He's not evil. like the... He's yeah. the most
0: sympathetic. He's, he is, he's, yeah. You kind of want him to, to be saved, especially in the first one. In the second one, he becomes more of like a slapstick idiot. And I don't mind that at all. But he's not like this hulking beast that you're terrified of, except for the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, he's been taught from birth to do this, and that's all he knows. He's not evil. It's no. just he's surrounded by ev- like an evil family that don't that haven't brought him up right. Yeah. Um, so when you get rid of the family later on in the third one, uh, and then it just becomes like an excuse on how can we fit leatherface in this? It sort of like becomes uninteresting. It would be a bit like doing a Jaws film, and um, it's just all about the shark. And <laughs> yeah. you know, it's great as an element.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I find the 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 granddad's the creepiest of the like almost the most evil bit of it is like he's the they've all they're all like they are because of him basically aren't they they you know he's the one who could not get over his abattoir kind of job
0: in the first one it's kind of like he is like the cherry on the cake of this ridiculous comedy that you don't realize is a comedy you're watching this absolutely excruciatingly um horrific and it's mainly done with mood and tension but like this horrific film that builds and builds and builds. There's no like act one, act two, act three. It's just from the beginning of the film, it escalates. And then the cherry on the cake is they bring out this corpse and he's alive. And it's this decrepit old man who isn't going to smack you over the head with a hammer and kill you. He's going to, pick up the hammer and drop it because he's so decrepit hundreds of times. And that's, what's going to kill you is that slowly he'll cave your head in. He's not going to do it in one go. And it's just like, Oh my God, that is absolutely horrific. And so when he's back in the sequel, you're like, yeah, here he is. You know, (laughs) it's, it's just weird how they've kind of like gone, well, we're not going to be able to do what, what the original did. So let's do something else. I was surprised with the time I saw it recently. This time was in my head. It was, Kind of like a remake. It was like instead of a house, it's a fun fair. Yeah, yeah. But in actual fact, the fun fair doesn't come into it until about maybe the last 40 minutes, half an hour. And the rest of the film is just completely different from the original. And yeah. I admire it for that.
1: Absolutely. I, I admire it for Dennis Hopper. Dennis and Hopper is crazy. Dennis in Hopper <laughs> in a cowboy hat toting two chainsaws it's fucking (laughs) mental and it's brilliant when he's testing them out and he keeps
0: making eye contact with the guy that's selling them to him like it's the most normal thing in the world and then when he goes out and he tries the chainsaws out on the wood yeah yeah. and it just slowly zooms into the guy that's selling them to him and his reaction to it is just fucking crazy it's like um have you ever seen cabin uh cabin fever
1: the original one yeah uh, a long time ago yeah
0: just a bit with the kid and he starts doing kung fu and they they're outside the shop and the kid does come through and it's this slow motion weird thing and it's, it's sort of like this really weird thing and i don't really like cabin fever and i'm not a fan of eli roth but you watch that bit and you go that's so weird and then you watch texas chainsaw Massacre 2 and you go that's where we got it from that's the bit it's dennis hopper with these two chainsaws and then this guy that's selling them just sort of like that's just this he starts like whooping him on, and you kind of like, <laughs> and you kind of like going, "Wow, what is this? It's, it's just, it's so, it's so weird." Like the bit where she goes, Stretch goes at Dennis in his motel, and for no reason whatsoever, they've decided to have kind of like uh, football fans outside, and they're all uh, going up and down the corridors, drinking and throwing stuff, and that's a Toby Hooper uh, cameo what like, was he, he he throws something he's the first one when stretch walks past him he's wearing a hat and he's got a beard and he throws something towards the camera and then he walks off and every time they open the door there are all of these people and they're walking around with like props they've got one of them's like stealing like a potted plant from a from a room and stuff and you just see these things that are going outside the room and they're having this conversation about dennis hopper trying to find his uh his, his niece's his, uh, his niece and his nephew and they're having like this serious conversation about this chainsaw family that are murdering people and outside the back for no reason he's decided to just have like this beer festival that's going on and every time the door opens you see like a little snippet of it and you think that's brilliant he didn't have to do that he didn't have to say in a motel room he did yeah. you know what i mean it's like you watch it and you just take it for granted and then you go he chose to do all of that stuff for some reason and it just makes it feel weirder and funnier
2: it sort of just makes me want to never go to texas yeah absolutely uh, (laughs) never try the chilli no definitely no. never try the chili it's
0: like it's like everything about it's disgusting like even the trophy that they give him, yeah, the tro- <laughs> and then they fill it with chili and it's got this chili dripping down and it's, it's disgusting but then when you see him with the trophy and he's driving home in his big sort of like rv yeah. and it's like the way that the shot is it looks like it's from a sitcom do you know what i mean it's yeah. kind of like he's not even looking at the road he's barely touching the wheel he's driving down the road he's talking on his like uh his his transistor radio he's got his chili uh, <laughs> encrusted trophy next to him it's just this really funny shot which I just think you, you know it, it's easy to dismiss it as not being the same as the original but I think actually if you embrace what's so different about it it's a brilliant sequel Mm. because it leaves the first one completely untouched and the first one was like a 70s exploitation film and the second one is this excessive this excessive 80s movie that was made after several Friday the 13th several halloweens several uh nightmare on elm street so he's he's sort of like just throwing his hat in the ring and going oh you're going all out i'm gonna finish with two guys with chainsaws having a, a chainsaw fight <laughs> you know it's kind of like this this film in a funfair this film is is fucking
1: mental i love it it's mental it's it great, great. i wasn't expecting how mental it was going to be
2: I love that Dennis Hopper's character really takes fire with fire, literally. It's like, they've got chainsaws. I'm not going to shoot them. I'm going to get chainsaws Chainsaws. too.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's great. And also it's kind of like while he's walking around the theme park, he's shouting. You know, he's not creeping up on them. He's not creeping up. He's going around all the corridors going, ah! (laughs) <laughs> and then sawing soaring all of the uh, support beams Bring, it all, down, bring it, it all down, bring it all down. And you're kind of like, well, you know for a fact that there's an innocent woman in there as well. Yeah, you dropped her in there. Yeah, is that, it, <laughs> it's kind of like, it's uh, it's just so... And I don't think it's very long, right? It's like an hour and a half?
1: It's,
2: hour and 40, yeah. yeah. You know,
0: in and out, do you know what I mean? It's sort of like a really fun... I think the first one, what I would it's say... The first one is is growling.
2: Yeah, and it is.
0: Yeah, I think you save that in your back pocket for like special occasions, and when the timing is right, you know, I don't want to just sort of like walk in halfway through and it's on. Yeah. I want to sort of like, you know, it's got to be like Halloween. It's got to be like a, a, a an occasion, and you want to, you don't want to just have it on like a shit TV or uh, um, or watch it on your laptop. You you kind of want to see a screening, whereas the second one is like a fun. It's a fun night out at the movies, do you know what I mean? And yeah. um, you can just throw that on and show it to your mates. And It's
1: it's, it's, a, it's a hidden treasure.
0: Yeah, and it's and people talk so much shit about the second one. And it's kind of like, it sh- I think it should get as much love as Evil Dead 2, is. Really.
2: Agreed. Yeah, thank well, you. We I, I, I I covered that, knew didn't ex- we? We covered that. I never even knew it existed until yesterday. So I'm very glad. Thank you for that. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad I watched it.
0: Oh, good. And I'm glad... to. Take it off. I'm glad (laughs) you don't think I'm a massive wanker for suggesting it. Not um, at all. It's impossible. Do you you know what I mean? It's an impossible thing. What's the best
2: sequel? I I was saying to Dave before you got on that actually I really love doing this one because I've not seen any of your three films. And I really love it when I've not seen any of... You know, when I've not seen a film, I really love it. It's because I get a chance to watch them. Yeah, we we can't talk
1: about The Dark Knight every week. No. (laughs) so nice to have someone pick (laughs) other films. It is a
0: really good... I mean, Dark Knight's a great sequel. But it's, just, it's just, for me, it's like it's a sequel in a universe that I don't particularly love. Okay. Like Christopher Nolan has made a trilogy of movies about Batman that seem to be embarrassed that they're making films about Batman. Batman. Yeah, I get and that. You, and you kind of like go, yeah, cool. We'll give it to someone else. We've seen Christopher Nolan's version. Give it to someone else and let's see what they do. And it might be Joel Schumacher or it might be, uh, you know, Zack Snyder. And it might not be better, but I think Batman has enough sort of like scope to do different things with it. Yeah, great. And I felt like 10 years of Christopher Nolan was like, yeah, 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 I get it now. Let's. <laughs> For like one and a half amazing films out of three, you kind of like go, yeah, yeah, we get it. It's great.
1: What is the sequel you've most been disappointed with? So the first one was brilliant and you built up a lot in your head and then you came out and you thought, ah, oh. so not rubbish, but disappointed.
0: Um, Well, I would say... The Dark Knight Rises is... I thought Batman Begins was brilliant. I really did like The Dark Knight, but it's so long. It's sort of like, for me, I know people watch it over and over again, but for me, if it's really long, then it sort of like lacks that rewatchability for me where mm. you got to set the time aside. That's the problem with the Zack Snyder Justice League as well, I thought that was great. But I also think, when am I going to watch that again?
1: Yeah, exactly. He's got five hours so to rewatch that. I still haven't
2: watched it yet.
0: <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. It's so good. And it's like mind blowing how different it is from the Joss Whedon version. And it's so. I, th- I just thought it was fantastic. But as you're watching it, you go, it's great. But four hours, you know? Mm. And one of my favorite films is Dancing with Wolves. But it's like, how many times have I seen that? Four times? Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, when, there's no rewatchability. Yeah, another terrible sequel would be Naked Gun 33 and a third, where the first one was great, second one was almost as good, and then the third one
1: Especially after you saw the trailer
0: Especially after I made all that effort for the trailer, the third one is kind of like goes towards what Spoofs became where the first two were like legitimate detective stories that had Leithson and Nielsen in them like this, yeah. the, the, They work as a detective story, and then they they're spoofing it as a genre so it's not like here is a specific spoof but it's like they're spoofing it as a genre and then Mm. with the third one they are taking stuff like Thelma and Louise here's a here's a spoof of Thelma and Louise here's a spoof of The Great Escape here's a spoof of The Untouchables and it's like yeah yeah yeah. but they're specific moments out of films and you kind of like go all right well it's it's almost a different style from what the first two were like And it's sort of like, it was a disappointing, it was a disappointing one. And then also, I think Terminator 3 is one of the worst films I've ever seen. I think it's offensively bad. And I went to see it with people that gave it a free pass. And I thought, I I just remember when it came out on DVD on the back, it said featuring that classic Terminator uh, comedy. And. What's great about the first one is that it's a cyberpunk, low-budget slasher movie about a robot from the future that's killing yeah. people called Sarah Connor. It's yeah. a low-budget little, you know, one and done, right? Yeah. He doesn't need a sequel. It's brilliant, right? It, and it's and it's sort of like a science fiction version on Halloween. And then you've got Terminator 2 which is so different from the original, but it's written and directed by the same guy. Like, like, I mean, in the same way that Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is different from the original, Terminator 2 is so different from the original, but you watch it again and you cannot get completely invested in that film. It's like, it's such a thrill ride. And then when you get to the third film, you can do anything. You've got a time machine. You know, send him back to the old west. You know, send him millions of years in the future. You do so. You know, can you imagine, like watching Schwarzenegger sitting on a cat on a horse, and then the horse collapsing? And you know, it's like. Um, Or or, or go back to the the fact that it's kind of like, it's a chase film, you know, maybe reverse it. This time you're hunting the Terminator and there's a Terminator that's on it. You could do anything with it, right? Your big spin on Terminator 3 is we'll do Terminator 2, but one of them's a girl, right? (laughs) And it's just like... It's so shit. It's kind of like, well, what? how is he How's he going to get his leather jacket this time? Oh, he'll get it from a ladies night at a strip club. Oh, brilliant. Ha, 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 ha. He's got Elton John sunglasses. Ha, 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 ha. He arrives in a massive disco ball. Ha, 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 ha. He says, talk to the hand. This, you know, it's so shit. There's a bit in it where the TX, and I've only seen it like one and a half times. I hate it. Saw it at the cinema. I hate it so much, right? Uh, there's a bit where there's a TX uh, with a TX which is uh, the female Terminator, and she's got a, a robot endoskeleton, and she's covered in liquid metal, right? And so she can look like anything as long as it's got two legs and two arms, right? And um, so it's shitter than the T1000 for a start, right? Because yeah. it's got a, it's got a structure to it, so it can't become anything, but no. it can control everything through the internet. And uh, there's a bit where she dips her finger in a pool of blood and she licks it, right? And for the audience, you're meant to go, oh, she's licking blood. But we know <laughs> she's a robot, and she we know that her whole exterior is liquid metal. So if she's touched it, she can do a DNA test on it. She doesn't need to put it in her mouth because the whole of her outside body is liquid metal. So she could just put her foot in it and it would do a reading <laughs> of the do you know what I mean? So her like putting her finger in it and licking it is only for the audience's benefit. It's so absolutely shit. the only and then the only thing that anyone ever says to defend it is the ending's good isn't yeah. it? You go, yeah the ending's great why don't you put that at the beginning of your fucking film and then make the rest of the film how you're dealing with that maybe there's a time machine in the bunker and maybe that's how things get started and the other thing the reboot of friday the 13th is a really weird film where they do basically a, a cold opening that lasts half an hour All right. They basically do an entire Friday the 13th movie in half an hour where you're following these kids and you think they're the main characters. And then they all get killed off by Jason. Maybe it's more like 20 minutes. And then at the end of this sequence where they all get picked off one by one and killed and hacked up by Jason, then it says Friday the 13th. And you go, oh my God, the film hasn't even started. And I think that was quite a good idea. It's Platinum Tunes again. One of the great ideas about Friday the 13th remake is that Because Friday the Thirteenth is such a long story, and you think you know it, but actually it's the mum in the first one, and then he doesn't get the hockey mask till the third one. What they've done is they've crunched everything into one, and they've done a greatest hits and go. This is everything you think you know about Friday the Thirteenth in one condensed film. And you go, that's a great idea. But they open the film with, "This is a Friday the Thirteenth film in fifteen minutes." Great, and then they go and do the same thing again, only over an hour and a half. Yeah, and you go. Well, you've just shown that you can do it in 15 minutes, but now we're (laughs) watching a slower version of what we've just watched take place over a feature length running time. And you go, that was your opportunity to go, now we're going to do something different with the franchise. We've shown you what the franchise is. Now we can do something different. I think that was a wasted opportunity, but it's not one of the worst sequels. One of the worst sequels is obviously Star Trek 3, Star Trek 5, you know, one of the Star Treks. Maybe
2: Star Trek. number stars, uh, Trek. the, Last, the
1: Last Jedi. <laughs> I'd say The Last Jedi is... Disappointing or...
0: Um, it was one of those weird experiences. I didn't read any reviews going in. I went in at a very early screening, one of the first screenings in London. Uh, we caught up at like three o'clock in the morning for like a five o'clock wow. in the morning screening and uh we all sat down that makes like,
2: it worse <laughs> there,
0: there was te- there was 10 of us. i was still drunk from the night before and there was 10 of us in there and we were all sat there and and i really loved the force awakens because yeah it's very similar to elements of the other films but you sort of needed it as a palette cleanser to get you excited again for Star Wars. So yeah. what I loved about The Force Awakens was I came out of it and I was excited about Star Wars again. Because the prequels killed it, you know, for me. Revenge of the Sith. I I left Revenge of the Sith. Thank George I have to spend another penny on Star Wars ever again, right? Absolutely (laughs) killed it. And The Force Awakens did something amazing, which it got me interested in Star Wars again. And not just I loved it. I loved it twice as much as I ever did. Mm. And then The Last Jedi. I just remember something weird happening where even when the opening crawl came up, I hated it. And I was just spent the whole film. I hated it. And every 10 minutes, there was a terrible joke. And I was like, I hate this. But I was watching it with 10 people and we all came out of it. And we were all really sort of like quiet. No one wanted to be the first to say they liked it, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, everybody loved it. And I'm the only, I'm I'm the cunt. Nobody. (laughs) I'm the only one that didn't like it. I'm the only one that didn't like it out of us 10. And then one by one, everyone said that they didn't like it. And it was like. I hated
2: it. I really, really hated it. I think a lot of people actually liked Last Jedi. And and yeah, Dave, you liked Last Jedi, didn't you? I I, yeah. I really hated Sorry. it. Sorry. I actually, I actually think Rise of Skywalker, which loads of people hate, is better than Last Jedi.
0: I think that Rise of Skywalker is this do you know what? I think the Last Jedi sort of I don't even think it's the Last Jedi's fault. I'm sort of like I think what Ryan Johnson did, I think he did it. He did it badly. I think the jokes, all of them for me, just fall flat. Yeah. um And it's almost like Terminator 3, the classic Terminator humor. And you go, Arnold Schwarzenegger putting on star-shaped sunglasses Elton John sunglasses is not classic Terminator humor there is incidental humor in the Terminator films but they're not going out of their way to make a gag right like it's a naked gun movie whereas Star Wars has incidental humor the bit Han Solo in the original when Han Solo's blasted all of like the intercoms and uh, they're saying is everything right go, yeah we're all fine everything's fine here <laughs> we're all fine ha- how are you and then he you know a boring conversation anyway You know, that's like that's like a funny bit But you don't feel like it's there purely for the audience's benefit. You feel like Mm. that's an incidental thing that's happening in that universe. Whereas The Last Jedi, just every time there's a joke, it just everything screeches to a halt. And they do this joke, which sort of falls flat. And then they've got to sort of like build up the energy. I didn't mind the story. I just thought the tone was wrong. And I also thought that there's a way of treating old characters where they don't have to eclipse the new characters that you've created uh, but they sort of like they're there to sort of like send them on their way and I think that if you look at a film like Creed where you've got Rocky who's old and he's ill and he's looking Mm. after this new character you come to love Creed but Rocky's there and he's Rocky doesn't overshadow him but he's there and he's helping him along and I think that's how you should deal with those characters not like go through them like a tick list killing them off one by one because you can't yeah. be bothered to do anything with them and i think they should have just had them all in the first one and then got got it out of the way like opening shot you have han luke and leia and they go oh no you know um we're living in this uh, utopian paradise uh, but it turns out we're the assholes, yeah. You know, they're in power. They're the assholes, And there are people, there's resistant fighters that are trying to. And then the end of the film, surely, is that everyone works out a way that they can coexist and survive. That's the end of the trilogy. Mm. So I don't think it's that The Rise of Skywalker was better than The Last Jedi. I just think that they're all pointless once you get <laughs> past the fact that they didn't plan three films in a row. No, You kind of like go, Yeah, no. that's the problem. You didn't have a plan, yeah. And so you go. There's no point in.
2: It's not a trilogy if you don't plan it as three films. Like- the, the
0: rise. It's like the rise of Skywalker exists, but you don't ever have to watch it ever again. You don't ever have to watch. The, you don't have to watch the Force Awakens because they said, you know, that's a great question for another time, which we'll <laughs> never answer in the three film. You never answer it. It's just like we. You know, the guy that wrote that came back and wrote the third one, and he still didn't answer it. He kind of like just like go. <laughs> Just, Joe. You can just it can, and I think it's all right. I think it's absolutely all right to just say there are three Star Wars films, and I love them.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Perfect.
0: Ewok's adventure, Battle for Endor, Caravan of <laughs> Love, Caravan of, of Courage, there we and go. the <laughs> Star Wars Holiday Special. What a trilogy! <laughs> They're, great. They're great.
1: So you've you mentioned a lot of sequels you hated. There, what was your pick for worst sequel of all time? which might not be your worst sequel of all
0: time. <laughs> no, I think The Last Jedi, on a person... I know people love it, but I just... I don't understand that thought process. I think it looks good, and there's loads of technical things that are good about The Last Jedi, but the worst sequel of all time, though, of course, is Weekend at Bernie's 2. It's not that Weekend at Bernie's is the best film ever made, but for what it is, Weekend at Bernie's is an enjoyable film, right? Right? If you yeah. know what you're going into, Weekend of Bernies is great, and also uh, Terry Kaiser is the guy that plays Bernie. Yeah, who I think looks like uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, he does a bit, so- yeah,
2: yeah, I can see that.
0: <laughs> so uh, last year I was, t- I'd watched, I was watching them, and I was tweeting about how um, Robert Downey Jr. is great in these Bernies movies. <laughs> 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 like, uh, uh, these these prequels to the Avengers movies are fantastic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Weekend at Burnies is a really sort of like disposable, enjoyable film. I don't think anything more of it. That's all it is. It's, a, it's nice to see Andrew McCarthy doing something outside of the Brat Pack. Um, but and it's kind of like if you like Mannequin. My sister loved Mannequin when we were growing up. Mannequin on the Move is a terrible sequel. But if you liked Mannequin growing up and you wanted some more Andrew McCarthy action, then uh, Weekend at Bernie's was the way to go. Yeah. Weekend at Bernie's 2 sort of takes that premise, overcomplicates it, adds voodoo into it, and then it puts them in sort of like this holiday resort. And the film feels like they said, like there's so many sort of semi improvised scenes that are set in their hotel room around their minibar.
1: Yeah, mm. And
0: you kind of like go, this looks cheap. It looks like you've all gone on holiday. And while you're on holiday, and you've all gone on holiday, all expenses paid, uh, you're being paid, and you've got to commit to like three hours every morning towards making Weekend at Bernie's 2. Yeah. And it just, looked, you know, the fact that they've got people in it that have so much screen time that weren't in the original makes me feel like, rather than story-wise, I, that feels like it's some sort of, It feels like a tax dodge or it feels like um, it feels like no one was really committed. to. Everyone knows that Weekend at Bernie's is a piece of shit. It's a a punchline. So let's just use this as an excuse to get money out of it, to get a holiday out of it. And can you write me as little involvement in this as possible so I can just show up for a couple of hours here and there? And then the rest of it will be done by these like. uh, It's just not funny. It's, it's just not, not it's fucking boring.
2: <laughs> it's so dull.
0: It's boring. It's, and, and it's got like, what's funny about Weekend at Bernie's is a dead body uh, looking like it's alive. Yeah. That's the joke. You've yeah. got this guy, we're trying to, not only are we trying to pretend that he's alive, but he kind of like ends up He's a dead body, but he ends up in situations that looks like he's alive. And he can, you know, there's one point in the original where he's in a fist fight with someone, and it's just because the other guy is moving that he's moving. And if the guy yeah. stopped moving, he'd realise he was a dead body. In the second second one, he's got this voodoo curse on him, so he moves on his own accord, and it's just like, that's not what is good about the first film. How do the makers
1: of Weekend at Bernie's 2 not know what is good about weekend at bernie's what? i don't know i've never seen weekend at bernie's so haven't you're telling you me that no oh, so i was dang. really confused at half six this morning when i put it on so there's no voodoo and he doesn't move at no all in the first he doesn't one. move at all he's just dead in the first one it's like they found out the actor could do physical comedy and they thought the physical comedy is
2: like terry kaiser's physical comedy is quite good I have to say that's the only thing good about this film. In the
0: in the first one, his facial expressions and his physical comedy is, is brilliant. In the second one, it, you know he's like dancing and he's doing the thing, and the physical comedy, no, I'd say the physical performance. There we go, is mm. outstanding. Yeah. But what <laughs> they've got him to do is rubbish. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: rubbish.
0: <laughs> so like, yeah, it's great, but look what you're using it for. It's so shit. I'm mean, Bernie's. Is so shit, and it's, it's shit as a film. As a standalone film, it's shit. It looks cheap. It looks lazy. It looks it, it, it looks illegal. It looks like <laughs> the money isn't going into the film, but yeah. it's going on the all-you-can-eat buffets. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? It's like they've siphoned off so much of the cash. That
2: suitcase it, of three million dollars really is the three million dollars. They is that, that, out is that in the first one?
1: Is that money from the first one? They're still
2: the fine. Mon-
0: the money is uh, yeah, it's been siphoned off by Bernie in the first one. Okay, which is why you okay kill. cool. But it doesn't matter. But but the, the fact is the first one isn't a great film, right? But it is a disposable lightweight comedy about people trying to pretend that a dead body is, is alive, right? Fine. Yeah. Okay. If you'd have told me it was a remake of a French movie, I'd be like, Yeah, that explains everything, right? Fine. That's weekend at Bernie's. The fact that doing a sequel four years later. Where you go? surely he'd have, like the first one wasn't a cartoon. The second one is a cartoon.
2: Yeah. And
0: I think it even starts with the cartoon. It starts with the
2: cartoon, yeah. I was messaging Dave last night when I was watching it and saying, even the opening credits are rubbish.
0: <laughs> it's like it's It's got such a low watermark, a low benchmark to reach. Do you know what I mean? It's like, all we have to do, guys, don't worry, guys, this is going to be a slam dunk. All we've got to do is be as good as weekend at bernie's <laughs> and and we can you really know, and, we've, and we've done it and it's like the reason why it's such a bad sequel is that it can't even be as good as weekend at bernie's right it's not sort of like there's like it's set like i mean they made it four years later so in your head you're like going i think the original was 89 right and the next one was like 93 or 94 and you kind it's of like go, three, yeah you go that's the same year as jurassic park <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's the same year as Demolition Man. There was other stuff that was happening. And you kind of like go, what? It's kind of like, he would have rotten by that. much. Why? Why? Four years after the original Weekend at Bernie's, has someone had the fucking brainwave to do a sequel to Weekend at Bernie's? Unless it is to have a fucking all expenses paid luxury Caribbean holiday which Must is what the, what it is. You look at yeah, it and you go... It's got to be. <laughs> it's, dis, it's not disappointing and franchise-breaking like Terminator or Star Wars. It's just sort of like it was such an easy win and you've just failed. And it's like, what a waste of your time, my time, everyone involved. It's just shit. I'm sure they had a lovely holiday, but you just look at it and you just go, what a fucking piece of fucking filth. <laughs> Fucking awful. Yeah. Apparently, they
1: tried to make a third one a few years
2: ago as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm third one. Yeah.
0: If they're going to leave it this long, I think that they would. I don't think. I don't think that it would be. I think it would probably be an improvement. It could be might any worse even, than that. <laughs> it might even. It might even be the best one. Do you know what I mean? They might have learned so much. There might have been like um, a sense of irony to it. It would have cut through it. You know, and they'd have gone, yeah, I think actually we can do a sequel here with we, Weekend Venice or a remake or do mm. something. But the fucking, the second one, it's like they've strayed from the formula and paid the price.
2: Yeah.
1: I thought it was going to be like when you first said it, in my head, like Animal House, Porky's 2, a little bit risque. Watching it as a young boy, I think, oh, there's a bit of boob. But it wasn't even that. I'm, I know I'm a grown man now. But... <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't
0: even a bit of boob. And I'm a grown man with an internet connection. I still, there's still the only thing just that wanted. I look for in a movie is <laughs> Weekend at Bernie's does sound like it's like this raunchy sort of sex comedy, right? All my entire life, I thought that's what Weekend at Bernie's was. I think there's a bit more of it in the in the first one. There's a scene where a woman goes upstairs, has an argument with Bernie and then comes back down because she's just had sex with him. Oh my uh, God. And And that's like a great moment. Because it's it's almost a kids' film, except for every so often there's a swear word and there's a sex scene. Yeah, and when it's edited for TV, it's kind of like, has she <laughs> has she just had sex with a dead man, <laughs> and no one's going to tell her, and she'd be traumatised, right? I, yeah, I think this stuff. I I enjoy the first one for exactly what it is.
1: Yeah. Did you watch them recently, or or is yeah, it something I, you watched back in the in the early to late nineties? Well,
0: my sister, as I said, was. Andrew McCarthy fan, so so Weekend at Bernie's 1 at the time. Weekend at Bernie's 2, I think, came straight to video. Weekend at Bernie's feels like it was on like a cycle of uh, Saturday evening movie slots, like Three Amigos, uh, Police Academy movies, Uh, you know, either on ITV or BBC One. You'd get like a movie that started about five o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Weekend at Bernie's was edited for TV to be one of those. Weekend at Bernie's 2 sort of came out a lot later and then it sort of felt like it was straight to video. And so it just appeared in like video shops and you kind of like go, oh, maybe I'll avoid that. And then eventually, I think I watched it maybe in the mid nineties and then I hadn't seen it again till last year. I think it's free on YouTube. You can see it. Is that that's where you we, saw it?
1: That's how we watched it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Chainsaw Massacre, by the way.
0: Oh, really? Well, the first uh, the, the, the first weekend at Bernie's, I saw um, last year on YouTube, which was heavily edited. So they'll even take out like, there's a kid that, it gives him the finger at one point. They cut that scene out and they cut out all the swearing. And it gets to a point where things actually don't really make, make sense when you watch the edited version of the first one. And then when you get to the second one, and yeah, I watched that on YouTube and I just couldn't believe how awful it was. Maybe I'm expecting too much from Weekend at Bernie's 2.
1: Yeah, maybe. It's a great pick. It was shit. It's, it's awful, isn't it? Awful. Yeah, it was, it was it's bad. So bad.
2: And it's there's just no excuse for a Hollywood-made movie That cost millions and millions of dollars to be that boring. Like it's just, it's just no excuse. There wasn't a joke, a single joke in it that landed that I can think of.
0: None of it, none of it lands. And you've got Barry Bostwick in it, who um, is good when he's used correctly. And he's just sort of like this charisma-free kind of.
2: He just walks around, doesn't he? That's all.
0: It's just, it's just, it's, just, well, I mean, we've talked, we spent more effort talking about Week in the Minute than the people did that, that made <laughs> it. Yeah. It's so, but it's so, it, it's so shit. It's not even so, so bad it's good or like entertaining by accident, which is incredible, right? To make a comedy about pretending a dead man's still alive and it not being even entertaining by accident.
2: No, it's, it's rubbish.
1: You, you've spoken about the, your. Disappointing sequels and your worst sequel. What is the sequel that surprised you the most that you liked it? Oh, so you you got dragged to six? You like the first ones rubbish, and you like come out and thought oh, that was great.
0: I'm not really sure. It's it's a really good question. I I mean, what I would say is I'm not a massive fan of a lot of the Star Trek films, but some of the Star Trek films are some of my favourite films. Yeah,
1: and it's bizarre, some isn't it? of them.
0: It's like Star Trek One not that i hate it or anything like that it's like i've seen it new i'd never need to see it again i'm not even a massive fan of star trek 2 star trek 3 fine i'll watch it if it was i would have watched it if it was on tv on a saturday night but star trek 4 i love it star trek 5 nothing i don't even think i've seen star trek 5 star trek 6 undiscovered country one of the best films (laughs) You know, um, really? one of the best, most entertaining. But Christopher Plummer's in it. He's. I watched it again because Christopher Plummer was in it, uh, and he died last year. But Christopher Plummer is incredible in it. He's old friends with William Shatner in real life, and so you've got kind of like this sparring on on camera on film of those two, and it's just a really good tense. It's sort of like the Hunt for Red October. It's like this really tense sort of Cold War era, uh, end of the Cold War. 1980s 1990s thriller but set in the Star Trek universe and um, it came after Star Trek 2, 3 and 4 they're sort of like a trilogy within a franchise and then Star Trek 5 didn't do very well and so Star Trek 6 was sort of like let's just do one more let's hope hope it's good but we'll do one more outing for the original crew and then, and then we'll call it a day and they do yeah. it and they really go out on a high and I think that you know, you could almost take and leave all of the other films. I love Star Trek 4 because it's about, I mean, I saw it, I think it's one of the only ones that I saw at the cinema. I remember my mum took me um, in the when I was like five or six, and I loved it. And in a way that I've never got into the TV show and it's really only just Star Trek 4 and Star Trek 6 that I love. Yeah, I think they're kind of like surprising films. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. And all I I think what's spectacular about the Rocky franchise is that there are some that are better than others. But the fact that seven films end, what do they do? They did five Rockies. Six Rockies, Six Rockies, two Cribs, two creeds. So they're the eight films in, and none of them are, are drop below a three-star movie. So between three and five, and and you can you can argue over which ones are better and which one's your favorite. Some people love three. Uh, I think that really four is what you needed. I think one and two are perfect. Three is kind of like the same again. You need something new, and then four comes along, and it's like yeah, great. I think three is the one which is most like. Sylvester Stallone rather than Rocky yeah it, it doesn't feel like he's playing a character anymore it feels like it's sort of like an autobiography at that point point. and then when you go back <laughs> into four it's kind of like it's so lean and t- I can't wait for he's recutting it at the moment yeah, yeah uh, I. I can't wait for that and um uh, what I like about four is that it's really lean it's to the point he's got his heart on his sleeve he genuinely thinks that you know, if we all try really hard, we can all get along. And he can, he can personally with Rocky IV end the Cold War. And you go, I, it's optimistic. And he's, and you know, he's not this cynical kind of, he's not like this, a cynical sort of filmmaker that's just cranking stuff out because uh, because he wants to make money. It feels like Sylvester Stone uses Rocky as a way to express how he really feels. And when he made Rocky IV, it's kind of like it's really excessive and it's overblown and it's over the top. But it's just this, when you boil it down, that speech that he does at the end, he means it. And if you have to sit through ninety minutes just to get to that bit, you kind of like yeah. go, "He, it, it's a guy at the peak of his powers, at the peak of his creative freedom, that's decided to make an optimistic, hopeful movie about the world." And you go, "Fucking hell!" Hats off to it. And then the fact is, it's a film that's like eighty percent music montages yeah and you go I love
2: it I love (laughs) it
0: it's got Dolph Lundgren in it I love it I would say Rocky 4 there's no reason why Rocky 4 should be good and it is and then I even like Rocky 5 and then Rocky 6 I think might be the best one out of all of them and I like Creed and I like Creed 2 a bit but I I never loved Creed as a character as much as I loved Rocky
2: I've only seen Rocky and Rocky 4 I've never seen any of the others. So I'm going to have to go back and watch them all now.
0: But what I'd say is it, it's like, they're all good. And they're the sort of films that you think you won't like because they're boxing movies, but they're not like they're romantic comedies. Like the first two are, are, are romantic comedies about a boxer. And then it becomes more about boxing. But, um And I think he lost sight and he was just like, right, I'm going to be, it's all about how many, uh, how how big my muscles will get. Now I'm in direct competition with Schwarzenegger, so I'm going to go. But I think that um, as a franchise, they're all good. You look at Police Academy, you know, they made almost as many films with Police Academy and they get shit. you know and you look at you look at the halloween films they're so all over the place you look at the friday any franchise that goes beyond three films is in even star wars you know all of that they made two and a half good ones and then they get really ropey with the prequels and then they get almost unwatchable for me with the sequels but i love star wars but with rocky there's barely a single i don't think there's any bad ones and sure. some of them, uh, some of them, when you get to Rocky Six, you know Rocky Balboa. Some of them are as good as the franchise get.
1: I totally agree with you.
0: Maybe that's my answer.
1: No, it's a great answer. I love it. I love it. I get really excited when people want to talk about Rocky because they were it's like my favorite franchise. It's a,
0: it's a, it's such, a, but it's such a personal franchise. You know what I mean? It's sort of like yeah. it's 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 it's, uh, it's autobiographical to him. And people thought that he was he was he'd be a complete laughing when he made the sixth one. Mm. and that's what the film's about it's about a guy that's trying to go back into boxing and everyone telling him they're all gonna laugh it's gonna be pathetic and it's sort of like he's writing you know it's the film that is also its own making of you know it's sort of like you can watch that and you can go yeah and that's what he went through making rocky six and uh and they're just like when you're dealing with blockbusters and movie stars to get a guy that got oscar nominated twice for the same performance 40 years apart is unheard of and it happened yeah. and yeah. it's stallone of all people
1: yeah
0: <laughs> he's incredible yeah
1: he is incredible what is your dream sequel so my dream sequel
0: uh, would have been a uh, 1990s evil dead four army of darkness was I've, I've done other podcasts about army of darkness i think army of darkness um may not be may not be my favorite film of all time anymore but i've certainly seen it the most and it's a film that um that was my favorite film for a very long time and i don't know what it would be maybe royal tenenbaum sort of like clipped it when i first saw that but i don't know what it would be uh anymore i i mean it's always very difficult to choose a film you know when you there's so many films and my girlfriend says, well, what do you want to watch tonight? And I say, I want to see the best film ever made. And she says, <laughs> and what is it? And I say, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, and nice. that is that is, is that how that I wonder- approach yeah, because it's a fucking bullshit answer. But also... <laughs> but, but also it's an optimistic answer because I think that there is an incredible film out there. I, I watched this French film recently called Le Grand Bouffe, right? Right. Which is a film about... Uh, it was made in the 70s. It's this disgusting film about... Th- uh is it three i think there's three french friends three frenchmen who go to a, a chateau for a weekend and they decide that they're going to eat themselves to death right? right and so they just make the, and I, i'm not even sure if that is if they if they even say that up front right but what they say is uh they go to this thing and like in every scene they're just eating and they're cooking and they're eating and they're making this beautiful food and they're sitting down And they're just eating. And then over the course of the film, they just get fatter and their clothes don't fit. And they're like puking up and they're shitting themselves and they're farting. And, and, uh, and there's sort of like this French prostitute that comes and joins them and they're all like eating. And it's sort of like this orgy and there's just food and uh, the toilets overflow. And it's just like, it's just, it's disgusting, but it was incredible. And you go, that is what I'm looking for in a movie. In terms of, I want to see something that my life is different when I and after I've seen it to when it was when I started it. If you hadn't and, told me that
2: film was French, I would have guessed. But
0: it's it's find it, it's brilliant right? It's, it's sort of like, it's a slow burn, but as it gets going, it's really funny, it's really dark, and it's just, it's, it's brilliant. And also, at the, at the time, it's got these three leads in it, and at the time, uh, one of them's Italian, one of them's French, one of them's, I don't know, another French guy, I don't know. Uh, it, but it had, one of the guys is from La Cage à Faux, which was what the Birdcage was based on. Oh, okay, And that was like this huge French comedy about the uh, these two gay guys that own a nightclub and uh and then they made it into the birdcage. But that was one of the biggest hits at the time. So you've got these three guys in this movie, and they're all basically the French Robert Redford. You know, they're like <laughs> they're these huge movie stars that we haven't heard of because we're English and ignorant, right? Yeah. But they're these huge movie stars, European movie stars that were the biggest that they get in their country, and they're all doing a film where they shit themselves to death, right? It, like paul new robert Red, and al pacino have got together in the 70s and they've made a film where they eat, they eat, eat until they shit right it's brilliant right anyway so i when i was 12 i had a ticket to see beauty and the beast on ice right i loved beauty and the beast as a as a as a movie, as a it, um, as a cartoon, as a Disney film, as a musical, I think Beauty and the Beast is a stunning piece of filmmaking. I loved it. I was a child. I loved Beauty and the Beast, right? And it was uh, it was half term, and uh, what do we do with the kids? Well, we're going to take them to Wembley. And we're going to watch Beauty and the Beast on ice. That's in the evening. How do we fill the day? So we went to the video shop, and I rented out. Army of Darkness. And on the film, on the front cover, it said, Trapped in Time, Surrounded by Evil, Low on Gas. And I thought, That sounds sort of tongue in cheek, sort of ironic. I like the tagline to that. I think I'm going to like this movie. And on the front was this muscle bound guy with a chainsaw for an arm. And I thought, Great, rented it out. I watched that film. And when I started the film, I was a child looking yeah. forward to watching beauty in the beast on ice and by the end of the film which is weird i've got um i don't know if you can see the little chip awesome. cut that i got from the day that i went to see beauty in the beast on ice amazing that's like 25 years old i've ever loved oh, amazing so it's like well what am i what we can do so we're gonna go see beauty and the Beast on ice i was a child and then i watched army of darkness and by the end of it i was a man and i realized That, you know, like when you grow up, your taste of music is your parents' taste of music until you, you know, oh, I like the Beach Boys. I like the Beatles. I like Bob Dylan. Right. And then you listen to your own stuff and you you find, I found like Alice Cooper and you go, that's what I like. That's mine.
2: Mm. I still
0: like the Beatles, but my thing is Alice Cooper. And it was like, what do I like? And that was the moment I was like, Army of Darkness. Fucking hell. I didn't know it was a sequel. Uh, I'd heard of Evil Dead but I didn't know about it. I think I first found out about Army of Darkness in Flicks magazine where it was called Medieval Dead, Army of Darkness or it was Evil Dead for Medieval Dead or something like that, yeah. which is I think Medieval Dead's a better title.
2: Yeah, that's a great title. Why didn't they call it that?
0: (laughs) And I think because the other two weren't made by Universal, man with Universal. Sam Raimi had made Darkman with Universal, and then Universal said, "Whoa, we'll make another film with you, but we'll kind of frame it like it's its own thing. You can, you'll know it's a sequel, but it's its own standalone sort of thing." And I watched, and I became obsessed with it. I rented it out every weekend. I was like eleven. or or maybe I was 12 and there was a 15 at the video shop and the guy knew I wasn't 15 but I rented it but he he knew that my mum and me had rented it out so many times that he was just like just have it and I'd just go in and I'd get it every week (laughs) and I'd watch it and I I watched it so many times that my mum bought it for me as a gift you know without me even asking for it like I don't know how I'll go to the video shop, I'll get a video, I'll put it in the video machine, I'll sit cross-legged in front of the TV, I'll watch a video, I'll rewind it, I'll watch it again, I'll take it back. I don't know how aware my mum was, but it must have I must have done it enough to the point that my mum would have just bought it for me and just thought it's cheaper to spend 15 quid on it than it is to just rent it out for two pounds fifty every week. I watched that until it ran until the um uh until the tape wore out and then I had to buy another version of it. Uh, I bought it in a box set, which was a Forefront box set. Forefront used uh, lower quality videotape. So if you watched it four times, it would start decreasing in quality after that. And um, and so I wore that out. Uh, Then I went to university. I bought a pirate copy of the same guy I bought Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from. Watched that until that wore out. I mean, the reason I bought a pirate copy is there's different versions of Army of Darkness. There's an American release, there's a UK release and there's a director's cut. Then there's an Australian TV release and then there's like loads of others. The best yeah. version for me is the UK cut because it has the post-apocalyptic uh, ending and uh, there's a different edit and a different rhythm to it. So the battle sequence is edited completely differently and it's got a better f- rhythm to it. And it sounds like you're being nitpicky until you watch it and you go, oh, it doesn't make sense like this. It makes sense on the uk cut but it makes sense on american cut because they're trying to make it an 80 minute movie when actual fact it's about i think the american cut is 82 minutes and the uk cut is 88 minutes Uh and the director's cut is 92 minutes and it's not just adding time it's like it's re-edited and i love that film and at the end of it ash ends up in this post-apocalyptic world where he was in the medieval Evil Dead, he's in a cabin. Evil Dead 2, he's in a cabin again, but he gets transported to the medieval times. Army of Darkness is sort of like a slapstick comedy, fantasy adventure movie with elements Mm. of horror, but it's not really a horror film. And it's just this comedy. It's really funny with an amazing performance from Bruce Campbell. And then they set up this sequel which uh, is um, at the end of Army of Darkness, he takes the magic potion and he ends up that he slept too long and now he's in the future. In the UK cut, in the American cut, he ends up back in a supermarket and he has a fight with a witch.
2: That's the one I've seen.
0: <laughs> and 20 years later, you get the Ash vs. Evil Dead TV series, which is a sequel to the American release of Army of Darkness. But the UK cut, has this different ending where he wakes up in the future and big ben is all fucked up mm. and you know he's surrounded by sort of like you know twisted metal and um yeah. and manufactured products and all that, sort of stuff. that got sounds this,
2: better that's like a better ending
0: he's got this big long beard and it sets it up so that we've done evil dead 2 and evil dead they're like one thing for me right yeah, yeah. that's a horror movie you got Army of Darkness, which is a fantasy adventure, sword and sorcery, medieval romp, right? Mm. And then the 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 next one, Evil Dead Four, would have been this futuristic science fiction apocalyptic movie, what like Mad Max, I guess, or something like that, where you've got Ash fighting all of these deadites, and that's the film I want. You know, there 100%. was even in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, there was even an interview with the Cohen brothers because they. Um, The Coen brothers, Joel Coen did the sound editing on the original Evil Dead, and that's how they met. And then they've got loads of films that connect them together where, you know, um, they made a film called Crime Wave set in Hudsucker Prison, uh, which was a Sam Raimi film starring uh, Bruce Campbell was in it. And then they made Hudsucker Proxy, which was written by Sam Raimi and the Coen brothers, but directed by the Coen brothers and Bruce Campbell was in that. And then they both made, you know, the Coen brothers made Fargo, which has a video, uh, which has a TV clip of Bruce Campbell in in a soap opera. And then they made Fargo and then... Uh, Sam Raimi made a simple plan, which was kind of like his take on Fargo, which was based on a book. So they don't—they like—they all love each other and all connected. And there was an yeah. interview of the Coen brothers in the late '90s, early 2000s, who was basically saying, uh, "This is going to be a really long episode, by the way, guys. I'll tell you now." Um, uh, he was saying that at the end of—they um, were saying that basically, Sam Raimi had written a script about Bruce Campbell at a petrol station fighting deadites, and you go, "Just make that." i liked ash versus evil dead i thought it was it was a fine tv series but what i think we all wanted was a direct sequel to army of darkness during the 90s which was peak bruce campbell peak sam raimi and i just don't think that there was enough interest in it at the time it became a huge cult classic everyone got behind it and then they made um the tv series which Again, got pirated so much that nobody got a subscription to Stars, which was sort of ahead of its time. And I think that now a streaming service, uh, if you put an Evil Dead show on a streaming service, it would be a, it would be a big hit. Yeah, I think you needed Phil. I think you needed projects like that to get streaming services going. But it's a shame that Evil Dead was one of the ones that took one of the hits early, where it didn't get enough views to sustain it. Yeah, and I think now it would be perfect, but it was just maybe a few years before its time, and it wasn't sustainable. But um
2: so, you, so your dream sequel, if you can make it, would be a follow-on from the UK ending of Army of Darkness, a nineteen nineties,
0: a nineteen nineties Evil Dead Four, which was specifically a sequel to the UK release. Yeah, of, love it. Uh, Army of Darkness. That would be my. While dream. we make this
1: uh, a podcast, would you keep Raimi as directing? Would that be?
0: Yeah, it's his. He 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 writes them. He directs them. He's he's the best. And Bruce Campbell when he's like young and flexible and can throw himself on the floor uh, with his own hand. It's just like his physically was incredible. Like it, like when you watch Evil Dead two, it's not quite up there with Buster Keaton, but it's kind of like no one else was even close. So he, he was he was doing silent movie comedy. Yeah. in the eighties, you know
1: you've read his book the first one was it the actor of a b-movie wherever it is yeah when they the just literally kill yeah i'm oh, sorry that one and they just planted him on front of a camera on a plank of wood and then just run him through the woods like don't care yeah. what hits him in the way it's just
0: yeah it's like yeah. the amount of abuse that they Oh, caused. i think it's
1: incredible which it's is so inspiring
0: which is what i think is sort of like a compliment when you look at characters like stretch from texas chainsaw mask Two to say she even sort of you know, the fact that that performance evokes Bruce Campbell is kind of like, she must've gone through absolute shit. She must've had fake blood poured on her for days and weeks. And it must've been absolutely miserable making that, but it's, it's a great performance and Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Just the all time greatest. If, um, if it wasn't a sequel to evil dead, it would be a sequel to Bubba Hotep where, it was Bruce no, Campbell playing Elvis again, know, but this Bubba time it. it's such a good film. And and they, they should have made a sequel to that, but it never got off the ground, but they were going to make Bubba Nosferatu. And you just go, just give Bruce Campbell the time and the space to like, but he should have been Batman. He should have been like, he should have been this huge movie star. Mm. And he's kind of like, he's so charismatic and he's so funny and he's so good looking. And he's so sort of like, he can do his own stuff. He's brilliant. You just say, like, why isn't he the biggest thing on the planet? Yeah.
1: Have you ever got to meet him?
0: Yeah, I've met him twice. Have you?
1: Have you got yeah. to tell him all these ideas?
0: No. I I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like, I never need to meet my heroes. I never need to meet anyone. It's yeah. kind of like mm-hmm. I like the fact that it's like with Alex Cooper, I've met him a couple of times. He doesn't remember me. It was a, he's a big deal to me. He's given me so much over the years that don't that doesn't include meeting him. You know, all of his music all of the concerts I've been to see I love paying my money to go and see him in a concert and I I love paying my money to buy a t-shirt and and I I love the whole process of that
2: right Mm, I know
0: what the transaction is I know I'm a fan he's the guy on stage and I don't need to hang out with him I don't need to meet him I don't need to do any of that. and I sort of uh I, I met him I met him a few times and I kind of like you just want to get through those scenarios without humiliating yourself, you know?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They say, don't
0: meet your fan. They say, don't meet your heroes. They say, never meet your heroes. And the idea is that your hero is going to let you down somehow. Yeah. You know? But actually it's because you're going to be a dick.
2: That's it. That's I. That's hundred percent. What I think is don't meet. Yeah. Don't be your hero. Don't, I don't want to meet my heroes because, well, you know it's, it's I, I'm to worried here, I'm gonna way. make a copy of myself.
0: <laughs> but, but, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's exactly
2: fu- that. It's funny you say that, Nick, but honestly, like before you came on, I was saying to Dave, this is the first one of these I've done where I'm actually a bit nervous because you are someone that I actually really like. So, well, wasn't sorry. I
0: smashing? Wasn't I absolutely yeah, smashing? You were brilliant. Oh, you were easy straight away. We hit yeah. the ground running. We've talked for an hour and forty-two minutes. We've had a lot of fucking fun. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, when, when you get Nick Helm on your podcast, you get you get an hour, but you get a, another forty-five minutes. That's for sure. I'm assuming it's an hour. I don't know. I didn't look into it. Um, the, the thing is that you'll always say something or you'll do something that. You will, you, you'll remember forever that you cringe at yeah and and mm. people and i'll do like signings after my gigs and i'll sign stuff and i'll meet people and 99 percent of the time we have this lovely sort of like human transaction where i'll talk to them and they'll talk to me we'll have a little chat and and then they'll move on and then i'll talk to the next person and we'll have and 99 percent of the time it's lovely and then you'll get someone that comes up to me and goes all oh, right you big old cunt how's it <laughs> and it's not sort of like what what do you want me to say to that i'm not on stage i'm just honestly just literally a human being stood in front of you and that and it's just like how well do you think this interaction is going and and I I always go ah you know I've met Bruce Campbell and I've met Alice Cooper and I know that tomorrow you're going to regret this <laughs> uh, maybe not today maybe not tomorrow but soon for the rest yeah. of your life and I just <laughs> I always try and help people through those moments where you go what do you really want to
1: talk to me about you know
0: but yeah it's it's I I've I've, I've met Bruce Campbell <laughs>
1: what, what do you think of this because they're going to do a fourth they are doing now a fourth Evil Dead filmed film now I think yeah it, that? It, 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 it will be a fifth because
0: they made the evil dead re well what was it it was sort of a remake uh but at the end there was a really weird cameo from bruce campbell in it which didn't really make any sense no so because it wasn't it wasn't set up as a sequel and there were different rules to the book so it wasn't the same book it felt like it was a a remake and then they tied it into the original franchise which I think I think they shouldn't have done I thought the evil dead I've seen the evil dead films so many times right I have not seen the evil dead remake many mm-hmm. times I've seen it maybe one and a half times I think that's my best insult for a film <laughs> I saw it once didn't like it thought I'll give it another go still didn't like it halfway through so I stopped I, I do like the original I think um I, I do like uh, the, the first remake that it did it's a cabin in the woods and um uh, and I think there's so much of it that's familiar but is different. It's a straight horror film. there's very little comedy in it if mm-hmm. any. Um, there's loads of practical effects in it which I really admire. I, I think it's directed really well. They visualized the evil, which is just sort of like um, a camera trick in the first in the first in the trilogy. So I don't like the fact that they visualized it. Um, and also, I thought what was a really brilliant take on it, which they, they don't really, they don't really, uh, it doesn't really live up to, but the the take was that she was a heroin addict that they take to a cabin in the middle of nowhere, so that she's away from drugs, she's away from her drug okay. dealers, and it's her support group, and they take her into this cabin in the woods, they awaken the evil, and for a large portion of it, they think it's her you know, on this massive come down and they Mm. don't. And I think that's a a brilliant way of kind of like, yeah, that that seems like familiar, but fresh and different. Great. I love it. Uh, You end up with a final girl and you kind of go, what made the Evil Dead film sort of stand out from all the other horror films was that you had a male lead. Mm. And so it's kind of like, it felt a little bit more, just a little bit more like in keeping with every other horror film. So I thought there were, I thought it had sort of potential, but it didn't really live up to it. But it's, I think it's a good film. Unfortunately, there are three much better films that it's following that, that have like a through line of one performance from Bruce Campbell, which evolves as you go through the three films, which is what I want out of an Evil Dead franchise, really. Right. Um, Evil Dead, the new Evil Dead that they're making is set in a tower block. And you just think, why haven't they done it already? that's an incredible idea that's like attack the block meets evil dead that's like they've got a block of flats and someone why haven't they done that it's always a cabin in the woods why is it always a cabin in the woods because it's cheap yeah. um, but but you're setting it in a block of flats that's a brilliant idea so the fact that they're doing something so different with it i'm all on board for and i think that that will be incredible
2: And those were Nick Helms' unequal sequels. Oh my God! <laughs> what an episode! What an episode! Three movies I'd never seen before, which is always my favourite. I love what yeah. I love it when I get to watch movies I've never mm-hmm. seen before. Absolutely agree with everything he said, of course. And also, yeah. I feel a little bit like Nick Nick Helms took the piss out of me, which is kind of like a a life goal. I love it. <laughs> I like to think that now we're best friends with Nick Helm I genuinely wish we were I I, I, I was a little bit starstruck I've got to be honest I was a little bit babbly yeah. and talk nonsense I'm sure but hey
1: you know who wouldn't be it was great it was so much fun thank you nick so much for uh, coming on our podcast um we really appreciate you coming on like we said we're, we're massive fans of your comedy really lo- we played it down <laughs> we but we do really love, it. love uncle, uncle yeah so and we love your comedy and if you are interested in nick's comedy he is going on tour pretty soon so check his his website he will yes, tell you hopefully nick is
2: on tour with his masterworks in progress tour 2021 sounds wonderful what else have we got
1: to tell Lee, the the? I'm just so excited
2: that, now, that you're here
1: and listening
2: thank you, thanks for coming we yeah, are you. on the internet of course we're on all the social medias at Unequal Sequel on Instagram and Twitter follow us on there, check us out um, we also have an email address which is Sequel at hotmail.com okay, starting the season yep. 2 as we to carry on I got it right that's nice to see. Perfect. And yeah, just just let let's drop us a message. Let us know what you like, what you if what you like about the show. Maybe don't tell us what you don't like. It's fine. It's all right. Give us a like and subscribe. Please give us a review on Apple
1: uh, or five stars on Acast. It, shit like that really does help. Yeah. Annoyingly, help promote us and get our name out there a little bit more because we're an independent podcast. And
2: we are battling with some very big names. We're not really battling, to be honest. It's not that we're in competition with anyone because we love all these podcasts that we're we're in as well, you know. And in fact, we're going to be on some other podcasts too. So listen out for those, and we'll promote Mm -hmm. some other podcasts as we go because we're all in this pod family together. Yes, and you know we all want everyone to listen. And on that note, if you really like sequels, go and have a listen to the Sequelizers podcast too because those guys are brilliant. They are. They are a cut above us intellectually when it comes to movies. Go and give them a listen. <laughs> I can't argue with that. I can't argue. But do come back. If yeah. this is the first episode of this you've listened to, There is there are 30-odd more episodes for you to go and listen to, including all the extras as well. So go back to give season one a try. There are some really yeah. great guests on there. If you like comedians, you will find some more comedians on there too. Um, but also some really, really great other people giving us their their favourite sequels. And come back next week, next Monday, for another brilliant episode with another brilliant person. I'm not going to tell you who it is, though, because yes. that would spoil the surprise. No. Thank you from me,
1: and thank you from the bye. big man.
2: Bye! <laughs> it's yeah. not,
1: I normally say bye, does he? Like, he got confused by that. You're going to keep that him and not cut it out, then. And a bye you? from him. <laughs> No no let's let's wrap It's a bye from me bye. and a bye from him Have a good week see you next week. Cheers, mate. bye <laughs>